Hello, everyone. I'm Joe Chamis. And I'm Tristan Irvin. And this is Screens and Streams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Screens and Streams. This is the podcast where we talk about the things that you see on your screen. And the things that you stream. Right, you are Tristan Irvin, and that is Tristan Irvin, ladies and gentlemen, my esteemed colleague who joins me, Joe Chamis, on a little podcast that we like to call Screens and Streams. We are on episode five after a short break. We took a little bit of an intermission, and now we're back to talk to you about some very, very fun shows, if I do say so myself. Yes, indeed. Darn vacations and busyness. Yes, there's a whole lot of things. Uh, so I guess the two shows we're going to talk about today are BoJack Horseman and Stranger Things. There we go. Dun, 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 dun. Sorry, I didn't realize you were waiting for me. I was just thinking about the theme music. It was just <laughs> playing in my head. Uh, oh, well, that epic, is what it is. Epic theme music. Um, yeah, so... Uh, Super excited to talk about Stranger Things. It is very much in the zeitgeist right now. And BoJack is BoJack. It's yeah. We've talked about it before. We'll talk about it again because we love it. And we love Will Arnett. He gets tons of play on this podcast. I'm surprised he hasn't sponsored us yet. Um, but before we get into any of that, let's first take a little bit of a look at the news. So our first story is... Uh, in here because I know it's something we've kind of talked about before um, not on the podcast but uh, just randomly um, CBC is replacing Shad as the host of Q with Tom Power teardrop <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know like the previous conversations we've had about you know how good of a host Shad was and he I think certainly did well on uh, some of the topics he was good at like um the, hip-hop. The hip-hop. <laughs> and in kind of music in general, those interviews were generally Absolutely, pretty good. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, but uh, everything else was, like, not as good as it had been previously. I feel like we aligned on this opinion when we first talked about this, which was when Chad was first kind of uh, announced as the new host of Q. So this was some time back. And he certainly was, like, a little green at it. But I feel like he really came into his own. Uh, any of the more recent interviews that I've... I've read, uh, sorry, that I've listened to with uh, him on Q. I've thoroughly enjoyed, and I feel like he kind of, he definitely made it his own thing. And uh, I like Shad. I'm going to miss him, but uh, uh, I guess Tom Power is arguably uh, pretty damn qualified for the role, I would say. I know you kind of mentioned something along those lines when we were first discussing discussing this. Yeah, I don't know. I always thought that he was kind of a bit of more of the obvious replacement mm-hmm. just in terms of, you know, his experience and right, doing the stuff on radio too and stuff. I'm a, I'm a big radio uh, CBC head, so haven't picked up on that yet. Uh, this is where my knowledge comes from. <laughs> and that brings us to... Um, I've got a little piece of news here regarding a show that uh, we both enjoyed very much in its formative years, <laughs> The Simpsons. Um, dun, 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 dun. Yeah, exactly. It's another theme. This is the all great theme music. Um, and iconic. Like you hear it and you're like, oh, right. I know what I'm, I know what I'm watching. <laughs> um, we could argue probably for days about when it started going downhill. I think people have theorized. I'm pretty sure there's, like, science on this. But uh, we're not talking about that. What we're talking about is that they're hitting an impressive milestone of 600 episodes in the upcoming season, which I believe starts very soon. That's insane. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so many episodes. So many episodes. Uh, and apparently uh, it's going to be their first 60-minute episode. So they're doing a full hour long. Uh, surprising that they haven't done this already. The closest yeah, really. that they've come is apparently the uh, Who Shot Mr. Burns arc, which Works began like at the end of one season and then concluded with a second part at the beginning of another. Um, yeah, so pretty interesting uh, stuff. Uh, I mean, apparently it's going to be called The Great Fatsby. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> That's funny. It centers on the... Um, 
that merciless geriatric tycoon who owns the Springfield nuclear power plant. Well, I wonder who. Shock. Yeah. yeah. I don't um, no idea who that at, is. The, at the center of uh, yet another uh, epic episode. So, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I think both of us have kind of fallen off of the Simpsons wagon a little uh, bit. at this point. But uh, it's something I might be interested to tune into. Anytime they do something big like this, I do. The Family yeah. Guy crossover was one example, mm-hmm. although I didn't enjoy it very much. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, you know, something to uh, watch out for. Cool. Well, I guess our next story is, uh, of course, um, another one that you've put in here, Joe. So I apologize for any mispronunciation. <laughs> but the new Jim Jamadi Jim Jambinati Jumanji Jumanji. There Tristan, we go. Are you are you actually are you? I don't know if you're playing for the no. the microphone. Or are you so young that you don't remember Jumanji? I I vaguely remember it being a thing, but I was never into it. I okay. was definitely too young for it. So this is. I'm very glad we're capturing this moment. But Jumanji <laughs> was a uh, uh, pretty. Uh, I wouldn't say it was like an important film or anything, but uh, it's pretty well recognized film in uh, Robin Williams' career early on. Um, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like most movies that are relatively well recognized, it is getting a reboot or a sequel or whatever. And the whole premise of this is that it's going to be starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson uh, as every other movie is these days, uh, seemingly. And TV, don't forget. TV. And TV shows. <laughs> um, but uh, and he has come out and said this is a continuation. It is not a reboot. So potentially Jumanji's sequel. And to be honest, I myself and probably many of the people who remember the original fondly do not remember how it ends or if it warrants a sequel. Um, but uh, hey, it's another movie with The Rock and God help me, I love The Rock, so I'll probably go see it. Yeah, uh, I just want to point this out. Like This headline here says the Dwayne The Rock Johnson is sick of uh, reboots too, but Honestly, I'm kind of sick of sequels as well. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there, there's no original movies anymore. Like, no, it's unfortunate, but uh, it's practically the same thing. Yeah, more or less. And one last bit of movie news here. Well, movie news turned TV news. Um, a fondly remembered film by the name of The Departed uh, is getting a TV series on Amazon Instant. Now, it's funny that we should talk about sequels and <laughs> reboots, but um, the TV series revival seems to be the next thing yeah, that's kind of happening. I, I was actually speaking with some people about this uh, earlier on, about how a lot of these older shows, uh, Hawaii Five-0 and uh, now MacGyver, are, uh, have gotten these uh, TV series reboots. So, I mean... Yeah, it's kind of starting out now, and it's starting to build steam. I have a feeling <laughs> in no time at all, we're probably going to be just as sick of the TV series version of the movie <laughs> as we are of sequels and uh, reboots. But uh, time will tell. Was was Hawaii Five O a movie? No, it was a series. It right. was an old series, and, and then they redid the series. series. So, yeah, I guess that doesn't quite fit. And same with MacGyver. But... Um, you yeah, know, uh, Rush Hour is an example of one that started out as a movie and then they did a TV series for. Uh, and I'm sure there's others that I just can't think of off the top of my head right now. Well, uh, just as kind of a side news story out of that, uh, there's actually going to be a new 24, but no uh, Jack Bauer. Yes, actually, I heard about this. I did hear about this. Um, who is replacing Jack Bauer? Because uh, it's not a story. I don't know. But... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. They've they've got um, uh, some uh, someone with a his- history similar. I think it's like right. some Navy SEAL or something. I don't know. Of course. But anyways, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. No. I mean, uh, like I said, it's um, <laughs> the the originality is kind of leaking out of the industry <laughs> when you hear about stuff like this. But uh, there is some. There's still some imaginative stuff out there. Like Absolutely. one of the shows that we are going to talk about uh, a little later on, um, Stranger Things. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, not to detract from BoJack Horseman, which is also <laughs> great, but in its own right. But I feel like we've kind of, um, we're starting to see a bit of a trend uh, in the theories. Absolutely. And uh, why don't we move on to that? 
So, BoJack Horseman Season 3, The Sadness Continues. Um, <laughs> Taking the award for the most depressing show on Netflix is... Oh, my God. Um, uh, honestly. Uh, so, hot off the heels of um, doing Secretariat, uh, kind of his dream film, BoJack is now on the press campaign for the movie, and things start to get a little weird considering the fact that he is pretty much not in the movie and he was replaced entirely by CG. And he starts to have some, uh, you know, some moral reservations, uh, which is rare for him. Uh, but, uh, you know, the whole point of this is kind of exploring his, his human side and, and it snowballs from there. Um, and speaking of his human side, before we even get the ball rolling further, I heard something... Um, Right after I finished binging the series, I went on the subreddit and was just like, I need to know what other people <laughs> think. I need to know fan theories and stuff. And um, someone made uh, the remark that BoJack Horseman, a show about an anthropomorphized horse in a world full of anthropomorphized animals, is one of the most human shows on television. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and I'm inclined to agree. Well, uh, it's a lot of uh, dark uh, dark stuff. Yeah, I mean, it definitely explores um, that aspect of humanity, right? Like it, it's it's not like a happy-go-lucky show for sure. No, um, and I think they're able to go to those dark places, and it's aided by the fact that you know they all kind of are cartoon characters. Yeah, and so it it's almost like a contra- such a big contrast mm-hmm. that uh, it kind of sneaks by. Yeah. And, and you don't even realize, like, how dark and depressing it is to think about afterwards, and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, that that was not good. <laughs> yeah. I think I might have mentioned uh, last time we spoke about this, how, just like you said, it's like this cavalcade of colorful characters who are all, some of them are animals and some of them are just humans and they're all kind of funny looking. And there's a lot of like aside jokes based on, you know, the fact that they're animals type thing. Mm -hmm. And it's a wild juxtaposition to this like character who clearly has some, some deep seated issues and a need to be uh, liked by people. And it's just something that, uh, you can connect with on such a human level that you know uh, that you'd see or that you'd barely see in most tv dramas so it's a uh, definitely an interesting show that way yeah and you know the fact it's a it's comedic too kind of allows it to go to that dark place as well right for sure because you know you have that relief every once in a while it's not just a hundred percent like just keep like a giant deep dive and then you just come out the other side and want to jump off a bridge right exactly so, uh, one of the very interesting things they did, I think it might have been the third or fourth episode, but uh, Bojack goes to uh, an underwater city, <laughs> and the entire episode plays out with uh, nary any dialogue. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I mean, very cool, very risky for a show that relies pretty heavily on its voice cast and um it's wittiness too and right it's wittiness like, yeah. and it's yeah the writing is superb right and uh the entire thing was done you know like that's a a big cre- you know a credit to, to the animators you know oh yeah absolutely. it's like you it's know they, they were in the driver's seat for this episode quite a, a fair bit and um they delivered it was a, a gorgeous looking episode yep. visually and mm-hmm. uh and just as hard-hitting as the rest of them yeah, ends up taking care of the little seahorse baby. <laughs> oh, yeah, the seahorse baby. I like how, like, throughout that entire episode, there was kind of, like, that backstory about um, Bojack giving the thumbs up and and then... <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Not realizing that it means something different to the uh, sea people. Yeah, and it's funny. We don't... I don't even think we really um, find what that... Find out what that truly means. Right. I mean, you, you know, you could hazard a few guesses, but. Of course. But, you know, it's never fully explained as to what the thumbs up means. No. Um, yeah, I like that bit, uh, Seahorse bit, of course. I, 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 I was wondering through the entire episode, like, wait, wouldn't they, wouldn't 
they have like some kind of vocal communication in those helmets like it looks like there's a speaker there did they just add like draw that in there and it's just like kind of a mistake or they weren't really thinking they're like oh yeah this is your helmet no no there, yeah. there, there was a microphone there. There hey. was a microphone there. The big reveal <laughs> is that Bojack is struggling so hard to communicate without using his words throughout the whole episode, and uh, only to see <laughs> all of a sudden at the end that uh, oh, he could just press a button here and you'll be able to speak. Yeah, uh, and he's of course trying to uh, make up with um, you know the former director. Right, and, yeah. and he's trying to chase her down, and all he had to do was like hit the button and and talk to her. But of course, he didn't realize that was an option. No, <laughs> and he's and like writing he... like notes on on a, on a piece of paper, and the ink's like the ink is running because they're underwater. Off. Yeah, of course. oh yeah, oh my god, just a a huge comedy of errors. Yep. Um, but because of the music in that episode, and because of uh, how nice the visuals were done it's like you know it, it kind of it resonates i think just as much as any of the uh fully voiced episodes that oh, yeah. kind of deal with uh bojack's uh personality for sure um did you catch uh the kind of the bigger canadian the big canadian reference uh, I, I don't think so okay so um when uh mr peanut butter goes to uh visit his brother yeah and um where do they go uh labrador yes yeah labrador island labrador yeah something along those lines Mm -hmm. so anyways when they land uh there's a map of this labrador island and if you look at it oh labrador peninsula that's what it is Mm -hmm. and if you look at it it's newfoundland labrador yeah and the top half of quebec (laughs) I was gonna say because I was like Labrador Peninsula, and then my 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 brain immediately went to like Newfoundland and Labrador, mm-hmm. or are they doing a play on words because he's a Labrador dog, well, or both. what? Yeah, apparently, and, yeah, it's both. <laughs> though, though I thought it was funny. Like I was looking at kind of the the landscape they drew, and I'm like, no, that's definitely not Labrador. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's not that great. Yeah. And speaking of that episode. Where uh, we get to see a little bit of Mr. Peanut Butter's family life, right? And we see uh, his brother, Captain Peanut Butter, <laughs> <laughs> voiced by Weird Al Yankovic. Um, so I'm going to break the fourth wall a little bit here. Tristan and I, uh, because we are human, tend to sometimes struggle with the character or actor names when we're doing this. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a little cheat sheet for this episode. So I'm scrolling through the IMDb list of voice talent for Bojack and I'm pretty sure every six names I go what <laughs> really what how and just I mean it's insane the amount of people who have come through even for little one-off jokes like for example uh there's a joke about how um Mr. Peanut Butter likes watching Bones because he's a dog and dogs <laughs> like Bones har har and uh, Diane is just like, I don't think that show is about what you really think it's about. And um, <laughs> as I'm going through the voice list, I see Emily Deschanel, Bones. I'm like, oh, you mean the person who actually plays Bones on the Bones show did like one line of dialogue for that one joke? <laughs> and things like the narrator at the planetarium was Neil deGrasse Tyson. Of course. And just like, amazing. There's been so many people. Uh, I didn't realize that Kristen Chenoweth uh, was um, v- Vanessa Gecko, kind of the rival agent, Princess oh, yeah, Carolyn's yeah, yeah, yeah. rival agent. So many uh, Jill Pills played by Mara Wilson, who kind of what, who was Matilda, <laughs> and then got out of acting for like a long time and, and started has started kind of popping up and stuff uh, here and there. Angela ba- Bassett was uh, Anna Spanakopita, yeah. who was um, Bojack's kind of. Uh, press person who was helping him through the the press Mm -hmm. campaign Mm -hmm. so many names i was just like holy crap like i didn't realize how many people were in this well that's one of the things about animation right where you know people don't have to physically be on a set exactly to do like voice records right so it's very easy to like you know just send off an email and Mm -hmm. be like here's your two lines of script you know go into a closet somewhere (laughs) exactly (laughs) and one of the other okay one more but i know i've been i've basically just been 
rattling off names. It doesn't play well. I don't want to bore the audience, but there's one that I was particularly upset with myself that I didn't pick up on. But one of my favorite characters, especially in this season, Sextina Aquafina, was <laughs> voiced by Aisha Tyler. I didn't know that. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So, uh, and uh, let's talk about uh, Sextina Aquafina for a little bit. Oh, uh, man. As dark as the line. show can get, oh. it can take that darkness and meld it into something so totally wrong and still dark but very goofy and you can't help but laughing and oh, that man. is Sextina Aquafina's <laughs> song about aborting babies <laughs> oh man oh yeah that was that was a little awkward <laughs> I was like kind of like watching and going uh, <laughs> I hope no one is overhearing this right now <laughs> it just seems like oh yeah that, that was definitely kind of one of the weirder storylines one of the weird storylines but definitely a high point uh, in the, the season and another showcase of uh, of the off the wall writing that kind of like Oh, yeah. It rears its head every once in a while in this show, and uh, when it hits, it leaves a mark. It's so so good. Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I guess kind of continuing this emotional roller coaster, <laughs> uh, we find out a lot a bit more about BoJack in this season, as we always do. We find out about the BoJack Horseman show, which is a right. short-lived kind of show that uh, where you know that he did between horsing around and uh, doing yeah, nothing <laughs> and then doing secretariat and having his, his biography written and all that. Um, and uh, he's kind of running around frantically trying to connect with people and isolating people as he often does. Uh, isolates Todd for like the second or third time now by sleeping with his girlfriend. Oh yeah. Uh, well, wait, wait. Well, sort of. We don't really know what's going on there, do we? Did we, did we find out? Like, we found out that he did uh, sleep with her. Todd, Todd or Bojack? No, no Bo, uh, Bojack did. Bojack, yeah, yeah, yeah. I no, Todd, uh, that's a whole other Todd. thing, which is... Um, I'm, I was kind of like, oh, so what's the deal with Todd? No, no, no. The, 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 uh, Bojack, we find out that the Bojack yeah. kind of yeah. like towards the end. And there's this epic speech uh, that Todd gives to Bojack... Uh, delivered very expertly by Aaron Paul. Um, right before Bojack kind of starts to spiral towards the end of the season, um, and he goes on his little bender with uh, um, Jesus, Sarah Lynn. Yep. Uh, but uh, it's really uh, getting back to the whole. This is the most human show. It's literally Todd saying to him, "Like, it's it's not that way, Bojack. It's not." fuck and like it's just like he's at a loss for words and so he just uses profanity and it just seems like i'm like that's something that people do like when people are in that situation that is how they would react like i'm watching and i'm just like that hurts like that hurts my heart (laughs) and you can tell the bojack is like shit what have i done and then that leads him to of course go on his little bender with sarah lynn who right. he believes is the only person who understands him. Multi-week, month, year? Yeah, and that episode plays Ish. out amazingly. Uh, yeah, that was a really cool episode. That was yeah. really well done. Yeah, especially when he's, he's like, following around <laughs> the daughter of the one oh, that yeah. he wronged in the last season. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how it kind of, like, comes full circle. Yeah. I'm I'm a little sad they didn't kind of follow up a little bit more on that. I kind of wanted a bit more of that, but I kind of yeah. of that uh, storyline. But I guess they kind of wrapped it up in the last season, right? Like they're like, yeah, we're not going back there. To so. an extent, I wouldn't be surprised if it pops up again. But I think they've covered enough of it that they don't necessarily have to to go back there. Yeah, yeah. But um, I wanted I don't know. more though. That's yeah, what I'm and it seemed like an important part of of. Uh, of Bojack's kind of uh, background, but you know that Bender episode is is something else, and um, you're jumping around a lot, and there's a bit of a fake out where mm-hmm. they're lying in a hotel room, right? And he's like, "No, Sarah Lynn, Sarah Lynn," and she's like, "What? I'm <laughs> bored." And 
my heart sank at that moment. I was like, for a second there, I was like, holy shit, did they just kill off Sarah Lynn? Oh, no, it was just a goofy joke. And flash forward to ten minutes later, Sarah Lynn, Sarah Lynn, and there's no response. Uh... They're in the planetarium, and the end of the episode is Sarah Lynn, child actress, (laughs) turned tormented, somewhat adult pop singer and actress, dying. And this is yet another one of those moments where Bojack makes you forget that it's a colorful cartoon with anthropomorphized animals and punches you in the gut. <laughs> and it's not just like a bang, you know, someone shot or death. It's like full on drug overdose. Yeah. Mostly due to the influence of, of Bojack. Of Bojack. So it's, it's, very easily pointed to be like Bojack's fault, right? Yeah, and and you just feel like your heart get like ripped out. You're yeah. like, oh, what's gonna happen now, poor yeah. Bojack? Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's oh, it, it was shitty. Yeah. It was, and uh, the hits just keep coming <laughs> with this show because as we draw to the end, um, the last scene. Bojack is more or less ready to kill himself. He is driving down a, an open country road. He's driving at a high speed. We see him close his eyes and take his hands off the steering wheel. And for some reason, he decides he's not ready to end it, stops, and looks over out the window and sees some horses running. And end scene and that's the end of the season and i was like holy shit (laughs) (laughs) um so that that's uh little house cards yeah uh, house of lies yeah a little Uh, bit a little uh, bit like the end of the four four seasons yeah marty's stuck on like the on the rock the rocks yeah Yeah. just kind of hanging out in the desert (laughs) alone being introspective yep but to do the introspective sabbatical thing yeah mm -hmm. So what did you make of that that ending? I don't know. Um, I'm going to go out and um, kind of say what I think is going to happen next. Yeah. I great. feel like we're going to come back and he'll be back in L.A., but it'll be like several months later. And he'll just have been running around with these horses kind of exploring who he is. And I don't know. I think we're going to get a bit of a different BoJack, maybe something like, um, maybe like a new ager kind of Bojack. Okay. Uh, but of course it won't like, it won't last. It won't last because like he'll, Holly Woo will beat it out of him. Yeah. Like yeah. in about probably 10 <laughs> seconds. Yeah. Yeah. And then he'll just be, you know, back to his old self, but you know, maybe, you know, take a few things and start patching stuff up. But yeah. I don't I, know how many seasons of this show. Do want. That's what I mean. Like, <laughs> and like as much as how I, is it going to end? Right. As much as I love, uh, this show, um, yeah, we're getting into territory where it's like, it's like you know, season one, episode one. Here's Bojack. He's starting to fuck things up. He's starting to isolate people around him. You know, season ten, uh, episode ten, or episode twelve, whatever. The final episode. Okay, he's isolated some people. He's made amends. He's learned his lesson. Let rinse, lather, repeat type mm-hmm. thing. Yep. And um, but the scale is getting higher and higher. And I definitely felt there was uh, this third season was um, was a little bit different than the the first couple. And um, partly because of the gravity of the situations that they do, like where, you know, you kind of find out you can mine his backstory uh, as much as you want. It's kind of, again, the beauty of animation where it's just like, oh, he did this thing. Let's just show this thing that he did. And, uh, you know, you find out about the BoJack Horseman show, and then you hit him kind of spiraling back then, and he's spiraling now with Sarah Lynn. Um, but, yeah, uh, I'm kind of... I don't know what's going to happen next, but I'm I'm interested to see how his relationship with Todd is going to evolve, because that left off in a kind of bitter place. Yeah. I don't think they really resolved anything after Todd kind of, you know, chewed him, and chewed him out. So, yeah. I mean, I hope there's a fourth season. Um, uh, I've been interested in the show thus far. I know that it'll be enough to keep me interested, but uh, I think they have to start going in a little bit of a different direction if they if they want to keep making the show. Yeah, I think uh, at some point there's going to, I mean, obviously have to be a conclusion. 
um, I think, you know, most shows these days are kind of do the five season thing. So, yeah, um, I think that the season was kind of starting to ramp up towards that. Like you were saying, yeah, it, there's a little it was a little bit more different than the first two. Um, there's definitely some, um, you know, a little bit more serialized, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, um, bridging the seasons. Uh, so, um, you know. It, it will have to end at some point. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see where they take it. Yep. Interesting indeed. So shall we move on to our next show discussion? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little bit different in tone. Uh, just a tad. Just a tad. Um, Stranger Things. Every time. Oh, man, that theme song, man. Yeah. Just like ingrained in brain. Yeah, and... Um, such a wonderful way to set the tone of where they are in time. Right. Like, yeah. uh, you got the eighties synth and the font in that opening is super like, you know, like sci-fi of that era. And, uh, oh, it's so great. And man, was it ever like channeling, like not just in terms of the setting, but all the cinematography, oh, all, yeah. the, all the sound, everything was mm-hmm. very, very eighties. Like they really made a big effort to you know stay in that timepiece for sure for sure right down to the set the set dressing honestly like yeah. i mean um will's basement oh, was just taken right out of that period uh in terms of like the the carpets and the couches and uh, the colors i don't know it it put you there it, oh. it was very good at uh at putting you in that place and uh you know kind of um immersing you in that uh that time period yeah you you know kind of when i first started watching it the um first thing i thought of was like oh man this is like uh super eight did you ever see super eight uh i did not but i i'm aware of it i'm familiar with that material i've seen the trailer yeah. i've heard the comparison being made i went up and looked at looked up stuff just to be like oh yeah it does kind of yeah it's yeah. It, it's like <clears throat> pretty close in terms of like atmosphere and cinematography like they were really trying to do a very similar thing um of course uh super eight was um steven spielberg and jj abrams yeah and so you can obviously see the influence um of you know the filmmaking of that era uh you know the spielberg Mm -hmm. and the um even the uh, you know the Spielberg influence of filmmaking, kind of E.T., Close Encounters of the Third Kind, you know, all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. was very. You could you could really see that influence in Stranger Things. Yeah, I've I even heard comparisons to to E.T. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Like it, it was channeling as much as that era as it could. Like mm-hmm. like it was crazy how well it was done. Yeah. Uh, very well done. Um, and also. Uh, a big thing for me, child actors that do not induce cringe. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Child well, actors are uh, tricky. Uh, yeah, they definitely can be. Uh, and, you know, I think of, this is an extreme case, but I think of shows that, like, we used to watch as kids, like Goosebumps and Are You Afraid <laughs> of the Dark? <laughs> oh, jeez. With the super hokey, like, child actor in a horror uh, <laughs> setting type thing. Uh, and then, you know, you can go, obviously, on the complete opposite side of that. And I'm not panning all child actors, but you know it's it's tricky it's hit to and miss. It's hit and miss, especially with the, that many of them. You know, it centers around these four or five kids, and uh, they did such a like fantastic job casting this. They were all so good. And honestly, I think you know you just have to get directors and crews that you know can work really well with kids. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's a bit of a different skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when working with adults. And I think that's how you kind of get performances out of them. It's not necessarily that all child actors are bad. If it's just like a crew that's, you know, pushed through like 14 child actors three days ago, uh, a la Goosebumps, (laughs) then, (laughs) yeah, yeah, you're going to get kind of the overacting cheesiness because no one's really comfortable with each other. And it's just kind of awkward. And you're kind of like, yeah, here, say this line. And the kid's like, right? Yeah. You know. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it played out really well. Uh, the show, I don't know. Like, we were kind of <laughs> lamenting how there's we're in this world of uh, sequels and and remakes and stuff like that. And obviously, this draws on a whole lot of influences that we were kind of talking about Absolutely, from yeah. from the, that era. But uh, I also thought it was pretty damn imaginative, this show. Oh, yeah, it was super cool. Like, the whole... The the whole storyline, um, the whole like alternate sideways dimension thing, upside down, yeah, uh, yeah, the upside down. Man, I I don't know if you know this about me, Joe, but I'm a bit of a sci-fi geek. You don't say. <laughs> <laughs> and this just made my little 14 year old sci-fi heart sing. <laughs> I was watching this entire series with a big fat grin on my face because it was just 100 percent like geeky. Yeah cool look at this cool stuff we're doing right and uh you know just amazing yeah and and on the other side of that uh i think i've kind of shared on this podcast even before that like i i enjoy the occasional sci-fi but uh it's not my it's not my my particular you know not particularly like in my my wheelhouse in terms of what i watch Mm -hmm. but holy shit did this win me over just like instantly yeah um uh, because I think in a lot of ways it's just like a show that a lot of people can connect with. And I only – I say this because, like I mentioned at the top of the podcast, it's kind of in the zeitgeist right now. Everyone I know and their mother has been talking <laughs> about this show. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, that's a sign. It's a sign of the times. They did a good job. Uh, they did a good job casting. They did a good job, you know, writing it, putting it together. Um, so – Rather than continuing to gush and gush about the show, let's get into the plot a little bit. Yes. Um, I love <laughs> let's how actually talk about it. <laughs> I love how we open um, again, being Barry of the times on the boys playing Dungeons and Dragons, right? And how that becomes kind of an uh, underlying theme throughout the show, like when they, you know, like skipping ahead a little bit when they encounter Eleven and she's trying to tell them about the Upside Down and the monster. Okay, the monster is represented by the Demogorgon who they were fighting in Dungeons and Dragons. And the Upside Down is she takes the little board that they were playing on and flips it upside down. (laughs) Like, you know, she's very easily drawing the parallels. Yeah, that that was pretty cool. I mean, you know, Dungeons and Dragons is kind of, it's not something I actually ever played, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I always viewed it as a bit more of a fantasy thing. Yeah. Where I'm more of a sci-fi guy. So right. I, I kind of uh, never really got into it. But, I mean, certainly that was a thing at the time. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and it worked really well for kind of drawing those parallels. Exactly, yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, and, talk- sorry, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, and, you know, I think a lot of people can kind of understand the Dungeons and Dragons thing. Right. Even even though it, you know, might not necessarily be something they were ever into or they ever played. It was, you know, like, oh, yeah, they're playing for 10 hours and they're a bunch of geeks. Okay, mm-hmm. we've got it right, right here and yeah. easily, you know, kind of get the story moving. Right, right. right. Um, we talked about casting earlier. Um, aside from... A familiar face or two there wasn't really a whole lot of people that i i recognized from other stuff in in this besides winona Ryder as joyce right. byers yeah they they had to have the one name right they had to i guess to kind of like drive it forward but um i will say uh david harper as uh hopper mm-hmm. jesus great <laughs> actor <laughs> um his arc was really cool because um in the first episode, he kind of he seems like he's like okay, well he's the police chief in the small town, yeah, who uh, maybe drinks a little too much and knows that he's a police chief in a small town where nothing maybe happens has a drug and, problem. and doesn't give a shit, yeah. Uh, and you see him kind of start to care more and more about Joyce's story and her missing boy, and okay, well, clearly something's happening. At first, he's dismissive. Everyone's dismissive. Oh, she's just, she's crazy, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you're like, well, okay, what's this guy's story? You know, well, he seems to be sympathizing a bit more. And then the story starts to unfold that he has a daughter who, you know, uh, died. died of cancer. And it's just like, okay, well. And this stuff comes back. He comes back in flashbacks, which are just 
placed in the best spots throughout the series. (laughs) Yeah. Like, everything is, like... Running parallel, right? Yeah, everything's running parallel, and everything is done. You can tell, like, they, they kind of... There's a rhythm to it that they really caught on to. And right up to the point where where they find Will in the Upside Down, mm-hmm. uh, it's like we're saving Will, but at the same time, here's this flashback of okay, I'm losing my daughter. Yeah, so it's just like he's... in a very similar scenario, exactly. right? Like hard, hard parallels. Yeah. There. So he's in the Upside Down trying to get redemption for something that happened in the real world. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's just so beautifully put together. Um. Uh, I loved Dustin. Yeah, <laughs> the, the comic relief was needed. Oh, yeah, for sure. In, I mean, in a show like this, yeah. and uh, again, back to the whole child actor thing. Like, those are that's where it gets even trickier to deliver like lines and and dialogue the the way that he did, uh, without it being kind of like oversaturated and and hokey. But yeah. like he did, you know. It's just like all of these kids had this quality of just like, yeah, I knew a kid like that when I was that age. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, like, that's one of the appeal to the characters. Exactly. Right? Like you can you can just pin the yeah. the character archetypes to yeah. people you know, right? Yeah. yeah. Very easy to connect with. Um Eleven, so badass. <laughs> so badass. Yeah. What a great character, yeah. right? Like she was just um I, I really like how we were kind of introduced to her and introduced to kind of her powers. Yeah. Like, we didn't get everything at once, which, I mean, we shouldn't. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at, like, each episode, her powers seem to kind of evolve and grow greater. Yeah. And kind of do cooler and and awesomer things. Yeah. And, and it, it was just kind of really cool to watch that progress. Mm-hmm. And the way that she was introduced, like uh, you're mentioning. Yeah. Very cool way. She just kind of like, at, just as Will goes missing, this other kid turns up out of the blue in a hospital gown with yep. a shaved head. Mm-hmm. And uh, we know nothing about her. And I'm like, well, how important is this character going to be to the story? Uh, and uh, <laughs> and I'm just like, holy shit, never mind. down in the first act. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, go off. Yeah. so yep. it was very, um, very cool to kind of see. Uh, and again, it just goes back to you know drawing parallels. It's like, and, you know, exit exit stage left. Will enter stage mm-hmm. right. Eleven, <laughs> um, and uh, of course she's kind of using her connection to the upside down to help them find him. Yep. And uh, the yeah, I mean, it progresses from there. And then you've got the side story with it's like it's almost like there's like three different teams mm-hmm. that are all working towards the same solution. You've got the kids and then they come together at the end, right? Yeah, exactly. You've got the kids and then you've got Joyce and Hopper who, mm-hmm. you know, like I said as the series goes on, Hopper starts to slowly, you know, he he's starting to see things too and he's getting caught up in it and he ends up going to the friggin' lab himself <laughs> and surviving somehow. Um and uh, of course, after that, he obviously, you know, believes Joyce. He knows something's going on. They're starting to dig deeper, and they form their little duo, and they're trying to fix things. And then the unlikely combo of Jonathan Byers and Nancy Wheeler. Um, uh, yeah, I, I I liked how they kind of did that. Like, yeah, they kind of each group started off from a different point, kind yeah. of investigating a different part of the mystery, yeah. and as you know, the show progressed. You could see the storyline starting to weave together. Mm-hmm. And there were several points where I was thinking, they're going to the same place. Yeah. They're going to meet up. Yeah. And then something happens and they don't. And you're just waiting for that yeah. moment, right? Where they all figure out that, hey, we're all chasing the same damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that's such a cool thing about the show. Yeah. It's expertly put together. And... um the monster was cool. <laughs> it was. You know what? That monster was freaking creepy. Yeah. Especially those first couple episodes where they, like, I mean, you saw it, yeah. but you didn't see that you much of it. You didn't see it. They barely show it. It was f- super, like, 
I it jumped. Was, a it was few unnerving. Times. Yeah. yeah. Like the the, the like mist, especially when they don't show it, it's like yeah. you rely on your imagination to create whatever horrible thing you think it could be. Damn and Lord. that's scarier than the thing itself. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, of course, when they show it, it doesn't disappoint. <laughs> no. Uh, I think the point where I jumped out of my, like, I literally jumped was when um, J- Joyce, yes, Joyce Byers was in her house and the lights were going and mm-hmm. it was like the second episode i think yeah and she walks into will's room and then uh the music's playing yeah and all of a sudden the wall just starts to move forward. oh my god and yeah. i was just like what yeah <laughs> just like what yeah. like the amount of tension they built up into yeah. that moment was so great you yeah. had no idea what was going to happen yeah. next and that was like probably like the least expected thing mm-hmm. is for a wall to start like exactly. melting and sticking out. And you know when I jumped <laughs> is when that same thing happened later on <laughs> when um, I think it was uh, the Wheeler mother was visiting with her daughter mm-hmm. and um, her daughter wanders off while she's talking to Joyce in the kitchen and she wanders into the room where she's got all the lights set up to talk to the Will and that same goddamn wall... <laughs> looks like and you think okay the monster's about to take her and you know like at the last moment when it's the moment where the monster's probably going to take her it's joyce coming in being like what are you doing in here this is my own it's like holy shit that freaked me out oh yeah uh you know and it's very much like you know like we've seen this already like it's just a when the first or second episodes like fool me once shame on you know shame on you fool me twice shame on me jesus christ (laughs) it fooled me several times um which is another thing i liked about it 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 didn't go in the typical direction that you would expect um i like the redemption of uh of nancy's uh sort of boyfriend throughout the series oh yeah um uh uh, Steve Harrington. Well, there we go, Steve. Um, so, yeah, that that was kind of interesting. Like, it was not expected because you know this guy's like, oh, he's kind of this douchey guy douchey who hangs guy. out with these douchey people, and he's trying to take advantage of of Nancy, and then you know, it, it, it's like the very tropey like Jonathan is the nerd, and he's you know gonna get the girl. It's like no, it didn't it quite didn't end there. up like that. Not and yet. It's it's but it's it's good. Yeah, I. I I kind of like how they kept that kind of stuff a little bit more real. Like, yeah. It, not, um, you know, the high schoolers weren't, you know, the the ter- the absolute stereotypical archetypes that you find at, like, a high school, yeah. quote-unquote. Yeah. It, you know, they had a little more dynamic range to them, right? Like, it wasn't, For sure. you know... Uh, and you, Steve wasn't just kind yeah. of a muscly jock and... And Jonathan wasn't kind of the, you know, just, you know, photo nerd yeah. guy. You know, he had a bit of the tough side, too. Yeah. So, you know, there's, I, I like that. I like the yeah. fact that those characters had a little bit of range to them. Yeah, you certainly. And you see Steve kind of start to turn when he's not even the one who wrote, you know, graffiti stuff about Nancy. But mm-hmm. he's the one who shows up and is like, I want to help you clean it. It's just like, okay, there's more to this guy. He's not some you know it's not a total dish tells off his friends and he's just like yeah i'm I'm gonna go get her back type thing and um then of course he shows up (laughs) uh when while jonathan and nancy set their expert trap at the buyer's house to catch the monster and he shows up in the middle of it he's like what the fuck is going on (laughs) and nancy points the gun at him (laughs) And, uh, then the monster pops out yeah. of the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> and he leaves and he comes back in. So he's just like, okay, hey, this guy's like going to do some damage. Just like when he, when they showed him in his car looking at the house and seeing all the lights go off, I'm like, he's going to come back in and save the day. And, you know, he kind of did. He came back and the monster's about to get uh, Jonathan and, you know, he takes the bat to its head. And, you know, I was disappointed that the thing didn't burn. Uh, yeah, to no, death. It, it, it seems uh, the plan kind of was invincible. Pretty rock solid, and it was. That's one of the scenes where I was like, edge of my seat, close to the TV, literally yelling and cheering on, like Nancy and and Steve and Jonathan, just like, yeah, yeah, burn that fucking monster, <laughs> like yelling at my television, <laughs> kill it, kill it now. Um. So yeah, definitely very good. Uh, and then the ending. Yes. 
Uh, you know, kind of just before we get to the very okay, ending. Yeah. I, I, the uh, final kind of climatic battle scene with... Uh, oh, right, of y- course. How y- could I forget? Yeah, with the... Um, the I, the demigorgon, the demigorgon, <laughs> and uh, all the, uh, the the power, the power plant yes. people, and then um, and, and the things running through the school hallways, mm-hmm. like taking people out. Yeah, and then he meets up with the kids, and they just like start hurling stones at it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't really know what they were thinking at that point. Yeah, uh, I would have been hiding in a corner, crying right. my eyes out, because. Um, Obviously, the thing survived like eight million gunshots, and you're gonna start throwing yeah. stones at it and being on fire. But uh, you know, it, I mean, they are that to, seemed a bit silly to me. It maybe, to but what the way that I want to think about it is that they're still kids, and they're so steeped in their lore that the way to kill the demogorgon is with the wrist rocket you know or like you know it's like you need to cast a mighty stone at its head to 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 slay the this monster and they're you know like as shit scared as i'm sure they are i think it's trying to show that they're still it's still trying to draw that dungeons and dragons parallel and it's trying to show like these are these are brave kids you know and then you know I, i for a split second i was just like holy shit the stone killed them it's like no it was 11 just using her powers and backing this thing into a corner yeah i don't know some part of me i guess wanted to see like i don't know i guess they they would have had to introduce it earlier on like but like some sort of weakness to like the type of rock or something yeah like i don't know i i felt like there should have been a little bit more to that point but sure but anyways yeah so 11 comes in saves the day Mm -hmm. and uh vaporizes yeah maybe yeah. herself and Demi Gorgon. Yeah. So, yeah, well, you know, it worked out, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, I mean, and then there's a lot going on towards the end where, mm-hmm. like you said, she vaporizes herself, maybe, because we see Hopper towards, you know, at the, the, the one, food one out, of yeah. the final scenes, leaving out Egos, <laughs> presumably for Eleven. And, um, and then there's the classic twist where Will needs to be excused from the table to go into the bathroom so that it can turn into the upside down for a split second and he can vomit more weird gross slugs. <laughs> and I was like, no, it's supposed to be over. But um, no, Netflix guaranteed two seasons. Exactly. And, um, and it was a very much... Like I said, we've been gushing about how this is very of the times. This is such an homage to the, the uh, like the outer limits and twilight zones of that day, where absolutely it was such a it was such a you know like commonly used trope in those series to where the ending would occur and it would be like this is the end or is it <laughs> you know it's like the end of the thriller video where michael jackson turns around and he's got the weird eyes and vincent bright starts starts laughing he's still a werewolf he's still a zombie like you know it's yep. it's never over and uh you know as much as i kind of lamented that i was like no i want will to be okay but i was just like i don't want this show to be over i want more yeah i mean i think they certainly had the opportunity to make it a nice contained series yeah absolutely but uh obviously they didn't choose to go there um and i kind of like that but i feel like it's gonna suffer a little bit in terms of the second season because the first season was so good and so kind of different and new yeah you know if they kind of left it like that it would have kind of stayed in our hearts and minds as like oh this great series and but uh now they're gonna do a second season which may or may not be as good well there's um, no telling where they're going to take it that's true it, you know it, it because could, it could be set on an entirely different group of kids that's true doing something different or it could be a continuation of the story that we already could do know. a true detective thing just yeah completely hit the reset button yeah absolutely just do a complete yeah sure. um i mean it is called stranger things so it's not like there's any particular attachment yeah and that's what i was thinking too the title line, right? the title doesn't lock it down in any way so uh yeah. you know it's like what it's it's like i said of that era the twilight zone and the outer limits it's like it can you know what's the next episode gonna be it's whatever we want that fits within this description so let's talk a little bit about theories 
<laughs> um, I'm just going to get a go out and kind of state mine uh, so Eleven and the Demigorgon I think if Eleven's alive so is the Demigorgon because she basically used the same power on herself on herself yeah. as like the power she used on the Demigorgon was so powerful that she also used it on herself right, right. it was a bit of a self-sacrifice thing so I feel like she didn't dissolve them, but maybe shifted them into another alternate universe. Ah. Uh, and so, um, but of course, it still has access back to the original. Yeah. So uh, I think that's maybe why the food's left out there. Um, mm-hmm. Hopper leaves the food because she can come back, but maybe she can't permanently stay in our universe anymore mm-hmm. because of whatever she did. I don't know. Right. That's just kind of my I thinking. Yeah. No, I mean, I certainly could be. Um, I'd, I'd like to think that she's still alive out there somewhere. And yep. uh, it didn't occur to me that, okay, like my first thought was like, oh, she maybe went back to the upside down. But it never occurred to me that like, well, there's more than just one other dimension. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, uh, absolutely. She could be elsewhere. One of the other theories that I've heard bandied, bandied about, and this is, I've actually listened to another similar podcast where yep, people were talking about mm-hmm. it. Um, what, uh, is that, uh, and this one is a little bit far-fetched, but it's that because of, uh, some weird interdimensional thing, uh, Levin is somehow connected to Hopper's lost daughter. Right. Um, I mean, you can definitely see that, right? Yeah. Because there's, there's strong parallels but you know the fact she's in a hospital ground mm-hmm. she has a shaved head yeah i mean she does give off that cancer patient impression exactly when you first see her you know that's kind of the first thing that jumps in right. your head is kind of like oh cancer patient yeah. or kind of yeah. got lost you know yeah in the woods and, or and, whatever. and yeah. to, to take it even further it's like you know, I mean, like, it's like, are they the same person? It's like, well, you know, who knows? Because they went and they visited, uh, you know, the Ives uh, mm-hmm. sisters who, you know, like there's this woman who the experience experiments were done on her at, uh, you know, at the lab, at the power plant. Um, Dr. Brenner did the experiments on this woman who claims uh, – that she has a child who's still alive, even though they claim that the child was, you know, that she miscarried or, and, uh, it's pretty strongly pointed to that 11 is the child of this woman. Yeah. So it's like, how can she be the child of this woman as well as Hopper? And it's like, well, that's kind of where the, the theory falls apart, but to suggest that they're connected in some way doesn't seem that, that far fetched because of all the parallels that you mentioned. Yeah. Right? So it's like, yeah, it's another thing that could be, you know, so if they do continue, if they don't do a true detective thing, if they continue this story mm-hmm. with these particular characters, then I'd be interested to kind of see where that goes. Uh, just as a, another kind of interesting theory uh, I heard, not that I don't really think this is the case, but just something I heard that kind of sounds really interesting, is that this, the whole show, is a, is a game or a story being made up by... Um, a couple of friends whose friend Will is dying of cancer and Eleven is a patient that kind of joins in. Oh, okay. And so the whole thing is just like a big game that they've made up, you know, to keep Will entertained because he's dying of cancer, basically. Um, right. And so it's not real it's just we're seeing it from their perspective right mm-hmm. and because the kids it's real to them yeah um i i don't really think that's the case but there's no. just something interesting to right think about no i absolutely i i, I really like that because because if, if you know you go back and you kind of watch it from that perspective a lot of it kind of fits surprisingly yeah the first thing that i thought of when you were describing that was will kind of towards the end coming to in the hospital yeah and they're telling him about all this crazy stuff that happened you know, and, and then at the end where he's coughing up the demigorgon again, yeah, and that yeah, I mean easily could be a parallel to you know like yeah. cancer's still there, it's and still there, and he's coughing up blood yeah. basically, right? Yeah, so it's kind of a little interesting things yeah. like that. 
I, I mean, I think it might exist as like a parallel to like this is something that it's similar to that, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's necessarily right. what's happening. Yeah, and I think what I like about that theory as well is kind of you think to yourself, okay, they're telling these grand stories. So what of all of these grand stories? Well, you know, I mean, stranger things have happened. <laughs> That's kind of seems to me, you know, <laughs> where the title comes from. And it's like, but uh, no, yeah, I, I never, definitely never heard of, of that theory. And I mean, I like it. I mean, that's the thing. I, I feel like a show when it's good enough, um, it kind of and when it's imaginative enough it, it kind of sparks everyone else's imagination and people will kind of rush to be like oh i think this is going to happen i think this is going to happen and uh to me that's the mark of uh you know a good show it's something that clearly struck a chord with a lot of people and uh i'm Absolutely. excited to see what they bring to us next i agree so i think that kind of wraps up our discussion mm-hmm. on stranger things yes so now I think it's time for a grab bag segment. All right. <laughs> so uh, do you want to start us off, Joe? Yeah, sure. Um, this is a show that uh, you and I both talked about. And I know actually this is cheating a little bit, I guess, because <laughs> this is a grab bag where I think both of us have seen the show. You've probably mm-hmm. actually seen more of it than I have. But I just started uh, a show that maybe we'll talk about at some point in the future, Marin. Yeah. Um, Great uh, show. Because... I am a fan of Mark Maron. Uh, I'm a fan of his podcast. I'm a fan of his stand-up comedy. And uh, much in the same ilk as Louis and his show, Louis C.K.'s show. Um, I figured, yeah, this will be something to get into. And I started watching it. And uh, I am thoroughly enjoying it because it's got that darkness to it, mm-hmm. that Louis's show, but not to the same extent. It's just kind of sitcom-y enough, minus yeah. the laugh track, that uh, I can watch it and I can have fun. And, and yeah, it's it's not it's not a big thinker of a no of a show. Not or, necessarily. Not I kind of thought it was going to be. Yeah, I'm not, I'll be honest. But uh, I, I'm quite glad that it is the way that it is. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, all I can say about that is. Uh, it's very much kind of I think you were describing it to me as um, you know you said well do you listen to Mark Maron's podcast and I said yeah and you're like okay well the show is basically that <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's Mark it's it's just, yeah, uh, doing his thing right it's a fictionalized who knows how fictionalized version of Mark Maron doing his podcast in his garage and um, kind of the things that he gets into and all the stuff that he's talked about on his podcast, like his weird relationship with his dad yep. is kind of, you know, that uh, is present in the series and kind of his awkwardness uh, and his, um, you know, his his tribulations with women is highlighted in the series. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a, been a fun ride so far. I'm, I'm only a little bit into the first season, but I'm really enjoying it. Definitely going to keep watching it. And uh, I know that you're a fan and that you've yeah, seen some great. of it. So maybe we'll... Uh, Maybe we'll file that one away for uh, a later episode. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I'm just watching the third season now because it recently showed up on Netflix, so I'm just powering nice. through that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good series. It's uh, it's definitely on the lighter side. Mm-hmm. Fun. Yeah, I really enjoy it for sure. Uh, so I just wanted to highlight a new Netflix series called The Get Down. Yeah, I heard good things about this. So I don't know how much you know about it. Um, but the executive producer of it is Baz Luhrmann, who um, directed Moulin Rouge, The New Great Gatsby, uh, yes. uh, kind of the Romeo plus Juliet. And I'm a big fan of his work because he has a very distinctive style. Okay. Um, it's usually very music-based, and it tends to be a bit more impressionistic. Um, impressionist, impressionistic. There we go. Impressionistic. Mm-hmm. And... Um, a little bit more avant-garde um and i kind of enjoy that about his stuff like yeah you know that's i'm a bit of a more of an artsy person so uh you know i kind of like that feel Mm -hmm. um i know it's not a lot of people's styles but if you're definitely kind of into that into Baz Luhrmann or or you've seen those movies that i mentioned and you really enjoyed them this is definitely for you Mm. um it's it's a little toned back you can tell uh, he's kind of made it a little bit more pedestrian. And I think, you know, part of that is just because 
Um, you know, he's had to do some linear story, like a lot more linear storytelling. Right. Stretch it out a bit more over, you know, eight or ten episodes. Um, but it's still very much him. Like, there's, like, these big dance, dance singing numbers, and there's these different styles of are these songs that are one style of music turned into another style. Oh, nice. That's, that's a very Baz Luhrmann thing um, to do that kind of stuff. Uh, so basically, uh, the show takes place um, kind of in the, in the 1970s, Bronx, kind of at the start of the hip-hop revolution. Right. So just when disco, um, just when hip-hop was starting to come out of the disco. So it's really cool to watch. Uh, like one style of music kind of turn into another and how they influence each other. Um, the, of course, the main character is Ezekiel, um, who is a wordsmith, uh, what we would call now as a rapper. Right. Um, and then uh, the DJ, Shalon Fantastic. And it's really, um, I think I'm like two or three episodes in, and it really kind of gets into the nitty gritty of like how they used to do DJing mm-hmm. and how they use the turntables and how they like mark off certain bits nice. of, of the of the um, vinyl, the vinyl record, and how it loops back and all kind of stuff. Really cool. Yeah. Um, I'm really enjoying the series so far. I probably just made it sound like a documentary. It's not. It's mm-hmm. fictional. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean. The characters are good. They relate to each other well. I mean, I'm like I said, I'm not that far into it, so that's why I'm talking a little bit more of the style and the setting and stuff. But, yeah. you know, I'm really enjoying it. I really like Baz Luhrmann. So it's definitely for me. If you're into that kind of stuff, it's for you too. Cool. Cool. Okay, so I think that about wraps it up. Mm-hmm. This was Screens and Streams, Episode 5. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes. Uh, we are just screens and streams. That's not and, it's <laughs> N. So search screens and streams. Uh, that's also our Twitter handle. You can find us on Twitter. And uh, there is a Dropbox folder with all the old episodes uh, in the iTunes and SoundCloud description for you to check out old episodes. And if you have a question or comment on the show or you have any suggestions on uh, a show that we can check out or a movie we can check out, you can email it to screensnstreams at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You guys rock. Thanks for listening. See you next time in Episode 6.